Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stadio Podcast. Do that again. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm cranky, Musa. You're so cranky. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? The sad thing is I've probably never been happier while recording a podcast. It's probably my happiest ever, like, beginning of a podcast. I had such a nice weekend. And I'm just here to like, piss all over it. <laughs> oh my God. I had such a nice weekend. Um... No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so I'll try. I'm and... okay, really. Yeah, I'll try. I'm, I'm just that. a bit. Yeah. Me. <laughs> you like that cat? That meme. Oh, yeah, I've got a bit Rilo around this morning. <laughs> uh, before we get going, let's do some admin. Yep. Uh, we got a new piece up on the website from Justin Salhani. It's really good. A great pieces. Yeah. Comparing his experience from playing football at various levels, you know, as a man of Arab descent. Yeah. And uh, comparing it to Ben Arthur's career, it's a really good piece. It's yep. up on the site. We're gonna have a couple more hopefully up this week. I'm um, just waiting to. Waiting to see what they are. Another bit of admin, t-shirts are on sale. So go to stadio.football. The first thing you'll see is the link to buy their organic cotton. They are indeed. Stadio logo. They're 21 euros. Lovely they are too. And they're only going to be on sale for a couple of weeks from Everpress. So go and buy them. On the topic of clothing, you are wearing a roll neck. I am indeed. Proudly. I have indeed. After our... Twitter referendum that <laughs> yes. you started last week. So maybe I, that's why I'm happy because you, I won the referendum. Yeah, Rolnick means Rolnick. <laughs> you are no longer a member of the EU. 58 to 42. Neither, oh Neither God, are it's we. Our, it's no? our first ever post EU podcast. Yeah. So we have no idea what's going to happen to us. None at all. Not yet. But yeah. hey, YOLO. They'll drag us back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you're rocking a Rolnick defiantly. Indeed. Yep. Proudly. Basking in the glory of the uh, the vote. We are the 58%. Um, so I've decided to abandon the cardigan for this week. I'm wearing a hoodie. Yep. I've formed a breakaway alliance. <laughs> Dave Brannock. Called Hoodies for Change. Hoodies for Change. <laughs> I can't wait for hoodie season, actually. I've got some nice ones to roll out. It's always hoodie season, man. Mm, it's not. You got, you can, it is. You can layer up. It's you can cold. Add a scarf. Yeah. I'll behave. I'm not, uh, the, do you know what the, the weirdest and most troubling factor in all of this is? What that is it? For some reason now, people have decided that you are the person to check with yes. on fashion advice, yes. <laughs> which is quite possibly the biggest injustice in the modern era. It was self-inflicted. You inflicted, you've wrought this. You brought this on yourself. I didn't do anything. I didn't want the referendum. As they all say. Stats got released this morning that prior to the referendum, um, I think it was only a 6% priority of Rolnex and cardigans for people. And then post-referendum, <laughs> it was 96. Now, and the funny thing is, people ask me for advice, yeah. but they send you Rolnex content, yeah, it's not which is amazing. The thing is, we've talked about my, this is, I mean, how long are we in? Sorry if, we, if everyone's turned off already. <laughs> so I tried, I tried that Rolnex on, and I'm not going to lie, it's tempting. Suited you, looked nice. It, yeah, I, I didn't look too bad. Yeah. Like a... Young Bundesliga manager. You didn't look trustworthy, though. I think I look more trustworthy than you do in a role, leg. <laughs> That's the God honest truth. You're marking to different audiences, though. <laughs> We're marking to different audiences. Where do you want to start this week, Musa Gwanga? I mean, 
take the lead, considering you're so chipper and I'm so grumpy. <laughs> well, how about Dortmund? We can start with Dortmund. So we'll start the Bundesliga quickly because Dortmund beat Union Berlin 5-0. They did. No shame in that. No shame in losing 5-0 because Dortmund are in very good goal-scoring form, as is, uh, well, within that, Erling Haaland and Jalen Sancho, who's been slightly overshadowed, understandably, by the incredible goal-scoring exploits of Haaland, who scored, I think, seven goals in less than 90 minutes now. Or- seven goals in three games is the yeah. first person ever in Bundesliga. Oh, there was a record. There but were records everywhere. Min- but in less than 90 minutes, I think. Um, Isn't it something... No, I think he's played 90 minutes. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, seven, seven goals in three games. He's the first player ever in the Bundesliga to do that. Jaden Sancho also became the youngest player to ever reach 25 Bundesliga goals. Unbelievable. And it was the first time Dortmund have scored five goals in three consecutive Bundesliga games. Ever. Ever. That's with Tuchel and Klopp. That's unbelievable. And also... I mean, I would caveat that with saying that they haven't played the best opposition in those three games. But still, but still, you still have to score them, right? You do. I mean, it was Cologne at home. Although Cologne had a great win on the weekend themselves, well, we and then the Augsburg well, game away, yeah, and Augsburg got a point off Munich, so they're not, you know, they're not mugs this season. No, I mean Augsburg have been pretty decent this season, yeah. But yeah, so it was a good win for for Dortmund. Uh, I want to shout out Julian Brandt though, because Julian Brandt had two assists. The first one, the cross was absolutely unbelievable for Holland's first goal. Yeah, Sancho got another assist as well. De Bruyne like, isn't it? Actually, there's yeah, a, there's it was a, very, yeah. there was some De Bruyne. Just a quick parallel between De Bruyne and Julian Brandt in terms of. The fact that Brandt was envisaged originally as this kind of marauding attacking midfielder and then is now playing as a deep-lying player in the same way that De Bruyne transitioned to an eight. And there was this kind of question of, can they really run the game from back then? The answer is yes. And Brandt is the brains maybe of that, of that, of that team in some respects. Yeah, he, he, he was playing there occasionally under Peter Bosch, but mm. I think he's really, he, he's, he, was, he was more of a, an in-between, I think. I think he still has, he, he still has, um, Freedom to roam, and obviously mm. Dortmund have brought in Emre Chan. Now, so it's going to eat freedom of movement. Oh, sorry, just topical oh. there. Just getting shout out to the EU. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how Dortmund shift when you know Thomas Delaney's back soon. Emre Chan will come in, so it's going to. I mean, it gives them options. Yeah. I mean, they let pack they let Paco Alcacer go, which I thought was a strange one. He looked good at the weekend. Yeah, he did, but I th- I think obviously his. His minutes were would be limited now that they've brought Holland in, but obviously, you know, if they get one injury, they're back to the old the old problem again where they don't really have an outright number nine. Without the figurehead, yeah. Yeah. This is the challenge. This has been the challenge a lot in the European leagues. When you have this specialist forward role, if you've got like, you know, multiple forwards, like you said like Liverpool, they've got like five forwards that can play across the line. Shakiri, Origi. Mm-hmm. And now actually had a sixth now with Oxlade Chamberlain. Not Oxlade. And now I was about to, then I said, no, no, like Respect, ah. respect. No, because you've had a tough... Turned over a new You've obviously had a tough, you know, you've had a tough time. So I thought, let me make it easier for Ryan. Oxley chamberlain <laughs> um, So you've got that fluidity with Liverpool. There's no sort of special striker position. The problem you have now in Europe is no one wants to be a backup special striker, right? They're happy to play as like a sort of backup wide forward because you can get games. But Alcácer will just be kicking his heels. And I think it's the right move actually for both parties. Yeah, I mean, they got some money back for him and it means that Holland really cost them nothing, especially with the sale of Julian Weigl as well. So... Good piece of business, I think. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund have done very smart business over the winter break and up to the transfer deadline. Also, Akasa must be thinking of the summer. Yeah, you know, just get stage up for the squad. And look, he looked amazing for Villarreal. And he was really just, I mean, they, they picked up a couple of nice pieces, um, Villarreal. So really to the shot in the arm, him returning there back to Spain. And 
think it's a, a good move for them as well as a team. There was a nice moment at the end of the Dortmund Union game where Nevin Sabotic went to the Sud Tribuna on his own and they all sang for him. Oh, lovely. You know, obviously he was at Dortmund for a long time and very popular there, won the league there. And a re- great signing for Union. He's still only 31, so he's still got a few years left. He had some really severe injury problems, but I think he's actually playing quite, I mean, obviously... Yeah, Union got hammered at the weekend, but, you know, defensively, they've not been outrageous. There are teams above them who have conceded more goals. Isn't it funny how there are some players who are surprisingly young like that? Like, I'm just checking, I mean, I know PK's not old, but he's 33, and you think how much he's done. It's really quite wild that they've just been around that long, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what was it? Neymar turned 28 over the weekend. With the career, Neymar's had like three careers. Yeah. Theo Walcott, older than Obama Yang. That's still my favourite age fact this season. Wild. Hey, shout out to Everton. They're looking good. Yeah, we'll get onto the Premier we, League we, in a little bit. Just, just shout out to Everton because yeah, I know sure. sometimes I'm, you know, not the most encouraging of their exploits. I went to the Olympia Stadion again and saw Hertha score no goals. I haven't, sc- I haven't seen Hertha score a goal since the Dortmund game. Oh, goodness. Which was Klinsmann's first game in charge. Although it was quite an interesting game in a way. Was, I wrote a tweet about it saying that it was kind of, um, kind of like when you get the munchies and all you've got left is like a kind of gone off packet of twiglets it's like it'll do it's such a poetic, but it's not a very quite poetic the, treat yeah. you know and then um, when Christoph Piatek came on their new record signing I was thinking oh this is perfect this is going to feed into my analogy really well because it's good, like someone's just rocked up with a pizza because <laughs> his movement straight away was amazing and actually I find it really interesting with Herter at the moment I might write a piece about it because you can see them transitioning actually mm. Um, on the field obviously they've got a couple of signings to come in they signed Lucas Tuzar but he's, he's coming in in the summer and they've also signed Mateus Cunha from Leipzig who wasn't in the squad I think he's not matched for he hasn't played properly for a while Piatek when he came on instantly transformed Hertha's movement going forward they, they actually started with Luca Bacchio up front which didn't really work he, he didn't really player. look comfortable there he had a bit of a he was kind of he looked more cranky than I am today actually <laughs> David Zelka's gone to Bremen and you know obviously Duda's gone to Norwich so there's a there's a transition going on in the middle of of Hertha's potential starting 11 you know with Escasabar starting there in the deeper midfield role and they've experimented a little bit more they need to still add some creativity yeah but what they look like the potential that they have you can see something there you can see a slight transition and actually I'll say it again I think apart from the buying game which is a bit of an anomaly Compared to where they were under Ante Kovic, I think Klinsmann's doing a really good job there. I might be... No, that's great to you know. know. I think that it's slowly but surely. I think they're, they're very much in that, you know, kind of like when Manchester City first got the Shinawatra money. Yes. And you could see it. You could yeah. see like, even, you, like when Stephen Ireland was on, you could see flashes of, oh, this could be something. But actually there's a massive parallel there because, you know, they got Sven as their kind of first big name manager, right? Yeah. In that period. That was a great capture at that point. Yeah. Hertha have got Klinsmann, obviously former national boss, former Bayern Munich boss, very kind of high profile German that's manager. Great, that's a great shout actually. But, but then that, it's going to take them a few years. They're going to keep signing within that, that kind of 20 to 30 million euro range, I think before they then flip those players and really start to go for the, the big guns. I'm really excited by the potential for Hertha only because when I went to the Olympic Stadium, I've been a couple of times to see them and what's so amazing is I remember thinking, if you put that club in a stadium where they fill it, because they, you know, the, the atmospheres are fantastic. Considering they're like never, you know, they never fully filled it out. You put that um, crowd in a stadium, fifty, sixty, which will pack it out. Mm-hmm. Then the intensity, the energy, the signings they're making. I just think it becomes a really attractive place. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean, I yeah, think, I, I mean, think, yeah. I think it was. I mean, the Olympic Stadium holds around seventy-five thousand. Yeah. There was forty-seven there on yeah. Friday. 
But there was still, it was still noisier than probably 90%, 95% of Premier League games that are full. Absolutely. You put them in like a stadium for 50 and I think you're in business. Yeah, definitely. Uh, quickly elsewhere in the Bundesliga, Bremen are in more trouble. I'm not yeah. sure what else to say about them. Bayern have gone top. Do what they do. Beat Mainz 3-1. RB Leipzig, mentioned Gladbach, top spiel of the weekend. Yeah. It was a great game. game. Yeah, yeah. What a game. Gladbach were 2-0 up. Player got sent off for... <laughs> two yellow cards in about 10 seconds for the sense. Player's been in great form. He scored a good goal as well. Yeah, he's been scoring some beauties of late. Uh, Leipzig got back into the game and Christoph and Cuckoo scored that, uh, Christopher and Cuckoo, sorry, scored that brilliant, brilliant equaliser right at the yeah. end. That was a hell of a goal. Uh, it was quite spiky this game. Sorry, there was a moment I was thinking maybe this game is almost like a, a frustration that Gladbach have more staying power than people expected because there was a sense in which, I mean, I certainly thought this, maybe other commentators did, that they'd kind of fall away after this great early start, but they've stayed with it in a mm. really impressive way. And they've got multiple goal scorers and playmakers. My fear with these teams that threaten from outside the kind of traditional sort of front running pack, you've sort of like Leipzig this year, Dortmund and Bayern, but Gabak have very much joined that group and they've done it because different playmakers and strikers have stepped up. I mean, player actually didn't have the best start, but mm. the last few weeks has been on fire. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I think for Gladbach, a top four finish is, is all they want this season. It's they, amazing. They, they, it's amazing. Marco Rosa is a really smart guy, as well as being a very handsome guy. He's a very smart guy. This is true. And he's very much, of, you know, he played under Klopp at Mainz. So he's very much of that kind of way of thinking. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's having to navigate some, some difficult problems with Gladbach because they caught a lot of people off guard and now people are taking them seriously and are lining up a little bit differently against them. But yeah, Nagelsmann was not happy during the game. And he was definitely not happy afterwards. He had a little bit of a kickoff with Matty Ginter about something. I'm not really sure why. Sorry, this is a weird thing. Weird thing happened when I was looking over the, um, going back over the um, the games and Leipzig's game against Gladbach, they drew, I think, two all against, it was the same result like two years ago. And the guy that scored has now just gone on loan to Leeds. Jean-Kevin Augustine, I should look out for him because he's really impressive and he had a great start to his career, but it's gone slightly sideways. And it looks like a really nice piece for Leeds to have picked up. And he said he wanted to go there specifically because of the, the thought of working with Bielsa. So yeah, worth mm. checking out. He wouldn't want to work with Bielsa. And his pedigree is amazing, actually, Augustine. Really one to watch. Colin had a really good win at home and that's opened a bit of a gap now. So it's, there's, there's a five-point gap between them and Mainz in 15th. Bremen are on 17 points. Uh, Mainz 18 points. And then below them, Fortuna Dusseldorf 16 points. Paderborn 15. So it's kind of looking like, well... Two of that four will definitely go down and obviously the other one probably in the playoff. In yeah. the playoff. Up top, there's three points separating Bayern and top and Gladbach in fourth. So another little shout for Bundesliga, which is the best league in Europe this it season. Is. It really without is. Without a shadow of a doubt. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and do the rest of the leagues. For sure. All right, back from the break. Do you want to go Premier League? Yeah, why not? Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, we could go Liverpool. I thought Southampton were unlucky, actually. Yeah, they were. They were unlucky. But I think they're such a great footballing side, Southampton, that the good thing is, even though they got, you know, taken apart, there's a lot they can take that's positive. I think the key to the performances, they made Liverpool score good goals. That makes sense. Like, they made them beat them. They didn't capitulate. They should have and had a penalty as well. And early on, they could have scored through Ings. I can't actually. believe that wasn't given as a penalty, even after going to VAR. Really confused me that. I, was I, a- I, re- I had a moment watching much of the day, actually, where I thought, 
I don't think I actually know anything about football anymore. There was a handball I saw as well in the build-up to one of the goals um, that wasn't given. I don't know if it was in the Premier League or I think it was, I think it was in Spain. There was a handball early in the move. Oh, it was it. It wasn't the. Um, wasn't the one that was given in the Athletic Getafe game. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. That was never a penalty. Yes, it was. It was a bit of a kind of okay. This is interesting. Getafe as well. Sorry, the slight jump. Yeah, right. we'll jump. Yeah. We'll get to Getafe because I want to yeah. big them up. Back to Premier League. Um, Southampton looked really good. Ings just been dangerous all round. Great work rate and leading that line by himself and causing problems. But Liverpool, you know, streaking clear. And can I come out with a hot take? Yeah, go for it. I think they might win the league. Do you know what? No, mm, Ryan, I mean, I know it's been, you know, you may not be the happiest on this podcast, but this is... Um, it's a hey, I'm dramatic. fine, man. Stop killing it's, my vibe. It's a dramatic shout. I mean, you know... Do you remember when we did the podcast in October called It's October, My Dudes? <laughs> my Dudes, yeah. We should do another saying it's February, My Dudes. Shout out to Mohamed Salah's long-range passing. That was glorious. The kind of like sitting deep in the number eight position and just spraying it to the wings. That looked really nice. Yeah, the weird thing about this game, though, was I actually didn't think Southampton deserve to they definitely didn't deserve to lose 4-0 they I, I don't think a point would have been overly harsh on Liverpool if is that is that a little bit of a scorcher it's fair but that's what they do to you but I suppose you know if you're playing James Ward-Prowse at right back against Liverpool at the first half they were brilliant and second half I think you just they got unstuck a little bit but, they just um, put the goals on you yeah just the pass a, for Salah's finish the part I mean who played that was a um, Alexander-Arnold on the right flank yeah just want to shout out Bobby Firmino again hey man you can't go wrong with that can't go wrong with that. Is he still underrated? Underrated. The most, he, like I say, he's the new Michael Carrick. He's the underrated player who everybody rates. I thought Jordan Henderson was the new Michael Carrick. No, that was a, uh, was in, so in the most underrated, in terms of the most underrated players that everybody actually rates, it's Makalele, then Carrick, then Kante, then Firmino. That's how it works. That's the succession. We've never is had that the, is that Yeah, the that's official. official. That's official. That's official. It feels like a lineage of players who are, oh my God, they're so underrated. It's like, who actually underrates them? Nobody. Everyone rates them. Arsenal drew nil-nil with Burnley in what was an absolutely grim game of football. Oh, goodness I me. can't believe I spent two hours of my... This is why I'm cranky, because I spent two hours of my Sunday watching that nonsense. Oh, no. The whole experience was very, very horrible. There was just so much booing. So much booing from the, from the beginning. What were they booing for? I don't know. I don't know. There was a lot of... Uh, there was a great thread going around, I think, between Tim Stillman and Greg Johnson from Football London about how I'm not firing shots, but Burnley literally voted to leave, right? And yeah. it was like two-thirds to leave. And, the, and Tim Stillman was saying how like Arsenal is the archetypal London metropolitan liberal elite football club. They really are, though, <laughs> They're literally they? in Corbyn's constituency. They are, they are. <laughs> you know, very, very kind of multicultural and all this kind of stuff. And so it was just this like, culture war. <laughs> such a massive metaphor for Brexit weekend. Oh my God. <laughs> and also no one actually really happy with the result in the end. Neither like, side, you yeah. know. But I don't know, man. Sean Dyche was, uh, I'm not going to lie, he was, he was kind of annoying me a little bit during the game. I don't know. Uh, Saka in the early minutes, he sent, Jeff Hendrick to Clitheroe and then <laughs> and then got floored by I love the reference Clitheroe shout out it's Lancashire yeah shout out <laughs> hey Cl- mate it's you know levels. my old ends well, it's levels. not Clitheroe but you know levels Manchester near, Ma- near Manchester and then got flattened by by Matt Loughton uh, Loughton sorry and uh, and then everyone just like massively booed him and he was clearly quite hurt he, he never I, I don't know I don't know what I'm talking the about the booing this. of Burnley it's so bizarre but there was an interesting question that we got regarding the lack of introduction, let's say, from Nicolas Pepe. And it's something that Callum Jacobs from Caricom has been banging on at me about for ages. And uh, he called me a coward, so I'm going to address it. Go on then. 
He said, well, first of all, he said, is your surname pronounced Okwonga or Okwonga? I don't know what the dash rep represents there. Oh, so what's he, what's, what's the rest of the question? Is that the question or? Do you want to address that first? Or? What's, the, what's the whole question? I know there's more. I saw more. Well, the re- I'll, I'll talk about the rest of no, it no, first because no, that's that, fine no, at me. No, because it's context is relevant. Okay. I want the whole question. The latter is how Ryan pronounces it. Well, that's how it's correctly pronounced then. If that's how Ryan wants to say it, then that's how Whoa, it's pronounced. Well, no, no, no. Don't, don't let the white man dictate this. How is your name pronounced? Callum, my final pronunciation, my final pronouncement is that's the right way to say it. How do you say your name, Musa? You say it like Go Musa. back to the beginning of the podcast and listen. Ok Wonga is how you pronounce Musa it. Musa Ok Wonga. Yeah, that's it. Is that, have, have I done that? Yeah, that's correct. So Callum's wrong, basically. That's the important thing to take from this. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah, there's a shot for you, Callum. Send shots at the king. <laughs> I, whoa, you just buried yourself to the, as the king. Why not? Someone's going, to, someone's going to do it around here. Big Brexit energy. <laughs> big big <laughs> Brexit energy. <laughs> okay, so he said, also, why have three different managers sat Pepe down? Are they all mad and wrong or should we be looking at the player a bit? Ryan won't address this, the coward. <laughs> we had a big back and forth about this a few weeks ago after the Palace game, I think it was. Mm. And we were talking about it and that's probably sticking up for Pepe a little bit. But um, Production's key. If you're going to play a role like that with that level of freedom, you have to produce. Uh, and I think that's the key. You're going to be a player people can trust because they kn- we all know what Pepe has. We know his potential, his ability to open games up. It's like you look at someone like Delefeu. Delefeu, uh, obviously at Watford, but his career was quite itinerant. He was seen as a player that could really open up games at the elite level and showed he could do that for Spain at under 21 level and never really kicked on. And I think Pepe is in danger of falling into the same trap where, you know, his managers, you could argue they understand him. They know what he's capable of, but they're like, well, if we're going to make you the main man, you've got to be the man. And he doesn't really do that enough, I think, in given the freedom he's been given by players like Arteta, by managers like Arteta. So yeah, maybe that's a production. But we know he has the talent. We know he has the talent. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it, was it last week or the week before, about the attention that he draws from other players, you know, that it's quite hard to measure in metrics. I actually spoke to Grace Robertson about this to see if there was a metric on Twitter at Grace on Football. Yeah, from Statsbomb, who could if if there was a metric that could could do this, and it was like she said, it was tracking data, right? But it's quite hard to track and then register into it uh, and then convert into a metric. So it is a bit of an like a bit of a kind of unknown in a way. So it is. Do you know? I it's a little bit old school. I reckon maybe. it's that kind of data that they don't make publicly available. You know, like yeah. when, you know when you go like bespoke. That's the kind of consultancy data where you're like, look, if I'm on the counter attack. Eden Hazard, how dangerous is he? Like, who can I basically like, how can I space the pitch? You're saying you called it spacing, didn't you last yeah, week? Yeah, kind of in... Who in, can, yeah, in who can I get to sort of space the pitch? Who can I get to draw the attention? And how much can I rely on them on the break to draw X players or whatever? I guess it's like that. Yeah. If you look at Ozil, for example, 2010 World Cup, great example of spacing. So 2014 World Cup, Ozil spacing, playing out on the left wing, basically, and keeping mm. the ball 90% of the time. And Ozil was basically out there and you just knew, because everyone had seen what Ozil done the previous World Cup on the counter. So every time Ozil gets the ball high up on the left, you're aware of him. Mm-hmm. Gosh, which, do you know what? A statistical review of Ozil World Cup 2014 would just be amazing, actually. Go for it, man. Sorry. I, 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 I have no desire to, Mesut to go Ozil, there. The man who wasn't there, how Mesut Ozil's play off the ball won Germany the World Cup 2014. Well, his, it was his 20, 250th appearance for Arsenal on the weekend. And despite what anyone thinks about him, because I know that he is a massively divisive figure football-wise, but... Personally, I feel very honoured that Meza Erzul has spent has played 250 times for Arsenal. Personally, it's amazing. One of the great playmakers of a generation, for real, absolutely. Uh, I hope that has addressed it enough for you, 
Mr. Callum Jacobs. You've got some spice there as well, Callum. <laughs> Life in the old dog yet. Okay, let's pick up Everton. 2-0 down at Watford. Came back to win 3-2. Jerry Mina, two goals. Colt figure. He's actually the perfect, in retrospect, the perfect defender for Everton. Colt figure, goal scoring, almost like a sort of a nice man's Matarazzi. Do you know what I mean? Like occasional goal scorer actually does a great job and called upon. And I just really like what Everton are doing now and Ancelotti. I really like, I know it's only a few games, but they are playing with freedom. They're playing with resilience. And they're now above Arsenal as well. Good for them. Like he's just made a big difference. I, I really like that appointment when it was made. And I like it even more now. I just think it's fantastic. Um, Car- yeah, we've got to address something with Carlo though. Okay. So he was displaying signs of being firmly in team cardigan. It's great. I like cardigans. He did his press conference on Friday in a roll neck. He probably listens to the stadio. Just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to pick sides. Well, what's wrong? We, we, listen, when the, we, in the UK, we were half in, half out of the EU. What is wrong <laughs> with a cardigan one day and a roll neck on another? Hey, I wish our referendum was that close. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was, yeah. I took an absolute beating. 58 to 42. Oh God. Brutal. Another shout for Chris Wilder. Another win away at Palace. They're a point behind Spurs and they are only five points off the Champions League spot in February. They're the Getafe of the uh, Premier League, aren't they? Very strong. So good. So good. Um, Manchester United played Wolverhampton Wanderers, apparently, on the weekend. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) The new boy is there, Fernandez. Looked good. He's a very good player, but unfortunately, it's it's not yet been tainted by the general atmosphere, malaise at the club. Just a really good player in a team. Is he? He is. He should be at Wolves. That's the funny thing. Oh my God. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Now listen to it. Think about it. He should be at Wolves. That team accommodates him better than United does at the moment. This is the real talk. I've said it. He's a great player. He's a great player. Oh, I it's don't so, really know how to respond to that. Because you know it's factual. It's just, oh, that's a scorcher. There we go. <laughs> listen, we don't have that kind of numbers who can come at me for that. Hey, you want to hear a scorcher? Jose Mourinho is back, everyone. He is. He was smirking. On the, on the bench, he was actually smirking. He was loving it. He loved it. He loved it. That I haven't seen that like that since they that beat another strange game of since United beat Juventus. Mm. That was that look the troll face. He was like, eh, 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 eh. there's a good piece from Jonathan Lew about this about how it was just kind of like we, none of us really know anything about anything. I don't really know what to say about this game. I thought the pen the the penalty thing was weird because I thought it was well in real time. I thought it it was definitely another penalty. Yeah. But it then wasn't. it wasn't. I literally forgot that that had happened when they pulled it back for a penalty because it seemed to be, I think I'd made a brew within that time. Got to make a cup of tea, come back down. It's so strange, the VAR thing. I mean, like, Pacar Cassé scored, scored for Villarreal against Osasuna at mm. the weekend, you know, and broke through. It was clearly onside. Beautiful finish. And then waits for like, you know, a few seconds to wait. And he was so clearly onside. And VAR is now not even affecting marginal decisions. It's affecting clear decisions because everyone's aware of it. I wrote a tweet about this. It's wild. Years ago, Mike Dean used to give these things for fun, right? Yeah. And it, this is one of the things that, it was a little bit turning your cheek, but VAR is even affecting, it's getting to Mike Dean. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Mike the Dean most trigger is, happy. Yeah, Mike Dean is a little bit scared to give decisions now because he's got the backup of VAR and it's like, you've broken Mike Dean. Oh my goodness, because Mike Dean would be like, I'm the final arbiter. Oh, that was the power. Mike Dean never used to, Mike, right, five years ago, two years ago, he would have given both of those as penalties, probably. Incredible. Straight away. And we could have saved two minutes. <laughs> was it Daniel Taylor saying, oh, there's a, there's a certain, uh, there was a certain referee. I'm not sure if it was Clattenburg because, oh, he's got a big decision. There was like Mark is Atkinson. There's about three, three referees that have it. He goes, oh, he's got, he's got a big decision in him. Like he's, he wants to give a card. He wants to give something today. 
Do you not remember Clattenburg's weird lizard face? The sort of the leather, sort of the leather. Kind no, of, oh when he did that weird, like, blah, 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 thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like V. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> goodness. What's happening? <laughs> a peek behind the curtain. Yeah, I kind of, I, I personally miss Clattenburg in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there, are a few, there are a few referees. I don't remember their names these days, but I love them because they always managed to find a way to keep the play going. I think when Chelsea beat Liverpool 4-1 at Anfield, Drogba scored a beauty against Reina on the turn. And I remember that game being one in particular where these were two very competitive teams, which with a different referee, game could have boiled over. Yeah. But just that ability to kind of see an early tackle, say yeah, it was reckless, it wasn't dirty, and just keep the play moving, not give the early yellow. And I do miss that kind of officiating. Do you miss Paul Durkin? Yeah, I do actually. I miss that kind of energy. Um, I'm just going to see if we've got any more Premier League related questions before we move on. Do we, do we have to go anywhere else in the Premier League? Wait, I mean, no. we haven't really spoken enough about Manchester City and stuff like that, but I think it's... No, nah, it's done. It's done, fam. All right, this one's from John Squires on Twitter. Is the rise of the Premier League conspiracy theorist a new phenomenon or has social media made the giant man babies more visible? <laughs> more visible. I mean, it's wild, right? Yeah, it's... Pep actually came out with some conspiracy theory, didn't he? Yeah, when he said about Scudamore. Yeah, can we just quickly talk about the fact that Pep has got like a three-year half-life and normally talks about like Mourinho does. Like, it's indulged. You talk about it. You get I've, it. I've told, we said you, it on this you, podcast this you, season. Yeah, you shouldn't have done the fourth year. Yo, right. Johan Cruyff told him not to do the fourth year at Barca. Yeah. And he did it and it all came apart. I mean, they still won trophies, but mentally it nearly broke him. Yeah. That's the only real reason he had a sabbatical was because he was so exhausted from the Barca job. Yeah, and then Bella Gutman said it at Benfica. He's gone, in, he's, he's gone into the fourth season at, at Manchester City after two very historic seasons. He comes in, bends the league out of shape and then leaves. That's just what he does. He comes in and changes the league in his own image and the style of the other teams left behind is almost like a homage because you have to become, you have to almost absorb that energy to beat Guardiola and then he disappears again. I do wonder if Manchester City hadn't spent the last five or six seasons completely restructuring the club just to accommodate Pep, whether he would have gone. Or whether the, if he hadn't had a relationship with the people upstairs, like they, had he did. To, they had to re, they had to re, um, rearrange it. I think they had to do that. And the Champions League continues to like haunt him, doesn't it? And in some ways, it looks further away than ever. So strange. We think Pep should leave. Is that right? Is that yeah. the official stadio position on this? Yeah. Comunicado oficial. Yeah, can see him going to Juventus. That's the only place I can see him going now. After one year of Sari, really? They're not sentimental people. Also, I don't. Did they really want Sari? Do you know where I would love to see him go? Got somewhere like Ajax. Not enough guilt. Yeah, but still, lovely life. Amsterdam, beautiful city. The house that Johan built. Funny thing is, probably won a European, probably won a European Cup there. Having exactly. Given up, having given up the hope of winning it, he'd probably do it there. That's the funny thing. He'd just go back to oh, You want him to go to Roma, don't you? Yeah. I would like that. I'd like that very much, actually. La Liga. Yes. Okay, Sausage, they're just struggling now. Yeah. Lost to, is it Leganis? 2-1. And they've had a bit of a slide. Getafe, amazing. Beat Athletic 2-0. And now they're third in the league. And their strike force, they've got like a three-pronged strike force. Well, it's sort of three sort of leading scorers. And the youngest one's like 32. So they've been amazing. I've been really surprised. They've done really well, considering they're also competing on sort of European front. Their first goal was absolutely brilliant against Athletic. Yeah. Great absolutely brilliant. You should check them out. They're playing some beautiful stuff. Um, Ansu Fati gets two in two minutes for Barca. I loved this. I loved the this assist. so much. Well, just all of it. The way that like Messi like hugs him afterwards. Messi fact, trusts him. And yeah. I, I wrote this actually on Twitter 
if Messi trusts you, you're good. Yeah. And he looks for him. But he did, he kind of did that with Dembele as well. He loves it. Well, like those, yeah. I think when Dembele joined, he was like, this guy can, as yeah. you would say, space the, space, the, space floor. the pitch, space the floor for me. So that's great. Um, Barca needed that because Real are just looking resilient again, grinding it out. Uh, it's, I mean, their de- it's their defensive record that is really worrying, I think, for Barcelona. Yeah. yeah um, Barcelona have, co- have conceded twice as many goals as Real Madrid have this season in the league. Real um, mean. Atleti just not doing anything really of note. Yeah, I think Lee Roden wrote an interesting thing on Twitter saying, was this the worst Atleti side under Simeone apart from the first year? I think that's not a bad shout. It's not a bad actually. shout because if you look at how some teams sacrifice traditional strengths for something else, Atleti have sacrificed traditionally, well, the defence is still brutal, but they've sacrificed so the transition and they didn't have the it's, it's, they're not really any. They're not really anything of anything. Um, if you look at someone like Leipzig, Leipzig actually defensively have sacrificed some solidity for the attack. I mean, they, they're defending for the. I think it was the second Gladbach goal yeah, on horrible. the weekend was just woeful. Right, and maybe you could say that's a legacy of like pushing higher. I don't know. There's a bit less discipline, or I don't know. It's Which is weird say. because they do have the. In, I think they have the Bundesliga's best centre back. In Uber Meccano, I think yes. he's been the Bundesliga's best centre back this season, which is strange because obviously Ibrahim Okunate was probably our favourite uh, centre back last season in the was, Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. but um, I mean the future of with Rafael Varane as well. You've got the future of the France national team centre back position. Which is saying a lot considering how good they are in that area. They are. I mean they're super young. They're stacked at centre back. So I mean Atleti is struggling. Real really resilient in defence. Nice win for Villarreal. Three one over Osasuna. Uh, Santi got the clinching penalty there. Santi. Spain's good. Spain's good. Quick shout to uh, Romelu Lukaku. Again. A couple of goals. It's Udinese. Yes, Udinese, yeah. There's a great moment when Lukaku scores his first goal <laughs> and he, he nutmegs the defender um, for the opener and you just see the kind of defender just shrugging and going, oh my God, like I'm complicit because he uses the defender as a shield to nutmeg, the, um, to nutmeg him and unsight the keeper. It's a really nice moment. You just see the, you see the defender just going, oh my God, I've been had. Yeah. It was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, Antonio Conte said he's been impressed by Christian Eriksen already. Yep. And Ashley Young looked really good. There you go, man. Conte. And the Sanchez, football, the Sanchez, football whisperer. Sanchez as well. Yeah, the Calcio whisperer. Yes. Um, that was a good win for Inter because they'd had three straight draws in the league. Yeah, a bad month for them. Really bad month because Juve now picked up a bit of a lead. Yeah, uh, well, they're, only, they're three points clear still and they've got to play each other again, I think, once yeah, more. But just so. the fact that they have to... You never want to give Juve a situation where you've got to get something off them in a head-to-head. Yeah. It's not a good look. And it was unnecessary. It was needless. They could have done better than that. It into. was needless. Yeah, yeah. It's all needless. All needless. Let's go to league uh, quick. Neymar wasn't happy. Got told off for doing a, doing a rainbow flick. Doing the most. I mean, I have a bit of a pet peeve about this. Maybe it's because I'm cranky. No one does a rainbow flick unless you're deliberately trying to completely humiliate the the opposition player. And there's something about it that's a little bit like, oh, don't do that, bro. Do you know what it's like? The equivalent. It's like you know, um, say in a in an NBA blowout, right? And you've got the last possession and they go for a dunk instead of just dribbling it out. Yeah. You always see people kick off. It's like this unwritten rule in the NBA that you don't do that. The rainbow flick, I would have a slight, I slightly disagree. When Kaka and Zidane did the rainbow flick, there was always a point to it. There was always like, okay, I, this is the only way to get over this player. You know what I mean? You, you, saw, you saw Zidane do it. You saw Kaka. And it was like, I've got to get from A to B. Neymar goes out to the touchline and basically goes, I'm going to toy with you. And I don't have any time for that. Yeah, there was, I can't remember who wrote it. Sorry to interrupt. I can't remember who wrote the tweet, but there was something that someone said about um, no one really plays with that kind of revenge mentality like Neymar. He got flattened 
by someone and then literally went straight up to the guy from the kick from the free kick and did about eight step over. There's also the context though. Look, the context is if you do a rainbow flick in a Classico, like if you're um, Dembele doing a rainbow flick over Ramos, there's an equivalent thing there. What Neymar does to do that in Ligue 1 is the equivalent of buying a Lamborghini or Maserati from the showroom and going down to Marzahn and going down the main road, you know, like a poor area of Berlin and basically honking your horn at everyone. It's like that. It's like, look what I have. It's basically saying, look, I'm, I'm a 200 million euro man and you're earning a 20th of what I'm earning or a hundredth of my, that's what it, with Neymar, I always get that impression when he's just humiliating people. Yeah. I mean, in a five nil win against Montpellier, it's a bit like. Sarabia looked good. You look at the tools they have, the playmaking tools at PSG and you're thinking, I can't wait for them to get back in the Champions League, you know, for the, for the Champions League to restart to see what damage they could do because they're going to look quite interesting, I think. Yeah. You look at their goal difference in Liga, it's plus 43. Mm. Closest to them is Lyon in sixth with plus 14. Wild. Uh, Marseille is still second, which is interesting. Rennes are third. Nice beat Lyon. 2-1, which is quite an interesting result. Are there two nicer towns to go and watch football in than like Nice, nice and Lyon? Nice I know, right? Monaco lost to Nîmes, so the Robert Moreno honeymoon period is maybe over. Well, I say it's probably over. They've, they've lost three times in a row, so... I think it's definitely over. It's probably over. <laughs> uh, okay, do you want to do Women's Super League? Because it was a pretty big weekend, again. Well, so Chelsea wins 6-0 against West Ham. and they won 8-0. 8-0, my God, sorry. Ainley's West Ham and... Without Sam Kerr, by the way. And that GC on, I think, as well. So, like, this is the tools they have. I mean, they're just frightening. I think Beth England was, would you, was it player of the month, I think? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Which I think is fair because she scored some, you know, really big goals. We were saying before, a tendency to score so the crucial openers. Um, they're just... Oh, they're the team I think are going to do it um, because they don't... It's, it's not obvious to me. It's not immediately obvious where they will drop points no, no not drop points but lose games I can see them well, drawing they're games they're still unbeaten the season yeah I can see them drawing I can see them drawing games I can't see them losing games which is something um, Arsenal lost to Manchester City 2-1 they were 2-0 down it's a second straight defeat after losing after getting hammered by Chelsea last week do you think that's affected them the Chelsea loss let's be fair to City they just are a good side anyway I think it's depth to be honest and the lack of ability to rotate in certain games I think you know Miedemar didn't look 100% there was one point we looked like she'd done a hamstring but, but they light um, at fullback. I think they're a bit light at fullback, aren't they're they? They're kind Arsenal? of light everywhere, really. Really? Actually. I mean, there was a thing that, I can't remember, it might have been Leah Volti last season said that um, the squad depth last season was an issue, but it was okay because they just had the league and they had a kind of squad of about 20. And they and she said that, you know, we're going to lead more players next season. And this season they've got, I think, 20 senior players still. So. I feel like in centre mid, Arsenal is strong. Does that make sense? In terms yeah, of the depth, they are. But the obviously, depth. Kim Little and uh, and Jordan Nobbs have played a lot of football this season, and both have had various injury problems. Jordan Nobbs came off that ACL injury, yeah. which she missed the World Cup from. From I think there's just uh, I don't know. I don't think obviously you want to have your players fully, fully rested and fit for the big games. And I think it's their maybe lack of ability to rotate in certain yeah. games against the lower half of the table has been the problem yeah. this season, especially with the added extra element of the Champions League. And they had a Conti Cup game in midweek. Because um, there was another round of Conti Cup fixtures. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great result for Manchester City, though, in Nick Cushing's last game. He's yeah. off to New York City. Beautiful tributes as well to him as well. Yeah, and he's yeah. done a really great job at Manchester City. Obviously, they've had a lot of investment, but they, he's done a really good job there. And, um, yeah, he's off to the Big Apple. Not bad gig. No, parts unknown, not bad at all. I reckon we're about done for this week. Let's do it. Sorry for being a bit cranky. 
You weren't cranky at all. If that's you at cranky, Ryan, I'll take you at cranky over anyone. Wow. That was a little bit creepy. Sorry, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Won't do that again. Oh, shit. Well, nice, nice having you, everyone. That's the, that's the first time you get a peek behind the curtain. It's taken me so long to be vulnerable emotionally. It's taken me 40 years. It was the baby voice with the look 40, you were giving me. It 40 was... years to be vulnerable. And now I'm back in my shell. Oh, my God. You built a career of being back vulnerable. In my t- back in my turtleneck. <laughs> that's why I wear it to shield me from the hostile elements. Um, yeah, lovely to uh, have you all listening to us again. A real joy as ever. Uh, please check us out on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a review if you don't mind. It helps grow the podcast, as Ryan would say. I do. And yeah, we're going to play out on... Uh, before we do play out, uh, don't forget, check the website, stadio.football. Go buy the t-shirts if you haven't got one yet. Absolutely. Summer's coming. Get them ready. Good times. And Instagram, stadio.football. Twitter, at stadio. Uh, we're playing out because of Dortmund's youth-breaking records. I thought we'd play out on a killer from White Mice called Youth of Today. Uh, this is a big change. So we're going to play out on this and uh, we'll be back next week. Lovely. Catch you soon.